0: Welcome to the ASHP official podcast, your guide to issues related to medication use, public health, and the profession of
1: pharmacy.
2: Welcome, and thank you for joining us for ASHP's Wellness Wednesday podcast. This podcast is a forum where you can listen in as members share successful strategies on wellness and resiliency in both their personal and professional lives. My name is Brittany Tashane, and I'm here with Joe Marciano, and we will be your co-hosts for today's podcast. Today, we're going to discuss both a timely and important topic of navigating wellness during the COVID-19 pandemic. I think it is safe to say COVID-19 has impacted almost everyone's life in some sort of capacity, and we have all had to deal with and adapt to a new normal. In particular, healthcare professionals, including pharmacists, have had to deal with increased stressors from longer workdays, staffing shortages, drug shortages, and much more, which has all led to burnout.
1: Yeah, I couldn't agree more, Brittany. Um, The COVID pandemic has been absolutely a challenging time for all healthcare providers, and that ranges from healthcare providers in training, such as students, to new practitioners, and even more experienced pharmacists. So I think it's important for this podcast that we recognize more than ever to not only take care of our patients, but also take care of ourselves.
2: Yeah, that is such an important point, Joe. It is often harder to put that into practice, but today we are lucky to have two guests who are willing to share their experience throughout the pandemic and share ways they have navigated different challenges throughout COVID. So let's dive into today's podcast. I am very excited to introduce our guest speakers, Dr. Brooke Barlow and Dr. Cassie Bellamy. Thank you for both taking the time to join us and your willingness to share your experience with us.
1: Yes, and I will second that. So Uh, We know this is a difficult topic, so we definitely appreciate uh, both of your openness to have this conversation, to highlight different ways that practitioners at different stages of their career have dealt with this. But before we dive into that a little bit more, um, could both of you tell us maybe a little bit about yourselves? Uh, Brooke, would you mind starting?
0: Sure. Uh, Thank you so much, Brittany and Joe, for having uh, me on today's podcast. So my name is Brooke Barlow. I am currently a neurocritical care pharmacist at Memorial Hermann Hospital in the Woodlands, Texas. Um, I did complete my residency during uh, the pandemic time, which was both my PGY1 at University of Kentucky Healthcare, and then I stayed on for a PGY2 in critical care at UK as well. So very honored to be here today, and I'll let Cassie go ahead and introduce herself as well.
3: Thanks, Brooke. Um, My name is Cassie Bellamy. I am currently serving in an interim role for Associate Director of Operations at the Hospital of the University of Pennsylvania. I did my training many years ago um, at uh, The Ohio State for my PGY1 and then specialized in critical care um, as a PGY2 at the University of Pittsburgh. I then worked for approximately 12 years in our medical intensive care unit here at HUP. Um, uh, Right before the pandemic, actually about uh, nine months before the pandemic, I transitioned to a leadership role um, and served as our clinical coordinator. Um, And then the pandemic happened. And so the majority of my time, my formative time um, as a formal leader was developed and navigated through the pandemic. I also welcome the opportunity to present um, a little bit different perspective, both from, you know, a, a senior clinician, as well as uh, how to support uh, a pharmacy staff from a leadership perspective, as we navigate um, this changing
1: world. Well, thank you both so much. I am very excited to get this podcast started. So Brittany, how are we going to do that?
2: Yes. So I think for the first part of the podcast, we were hoping if we could both ask you to talk more about some of the patient care related challenges that you experienced during the the most intense phase of the, the pandemic. Brooke, do you want to start us off?
0: Yeah, absolutely. Um, So I think this was a bit of a unique perspective for me because starting off in the COVID-19 pandemic, uh, when it first kind of came about in 2019, early 2020, um, I was actually a PGY-1 resident at the time. And, you know, a lot of the, I guess, I was definitely very interested in critical care pharmacy. And in order to, I guess, thrive as an acute care practitioner, a lot of that is, you know, being at the bedside, visualizing the patient, watching their hemodynamics change and how our pharmacotherapy really uh, changes their status. But with COVID-19, obviously with infection control, that was largely limited. And so the direct patient care experiences um, as a resident, um, like I said, were, we're pretty limited. However, there were, you know, several unique opportunities that did Present themselves, which we can kind of talk further uh, down the line in this podcast. But some other challenges um, that I guess I faced personally as both a PGY1 and PGY2 resident was also the disease state knowledge was largely focused on COVID-19 at the time, right? Because a lot of us as uh, residents were being allocated to kind of cover some staffing shortages that our pharmacists were facing, where um, I really did feel like I was kind of just jumping in head first into being a practitioner. It really made me feel like I'm no longer a resident, you know, but it was really great to have the opportunity to have that autonomy and then care for this really rapidly changing disease state. I mean, we know that literature, not only is it published on a daily basis, but like with COVID-19, it was tenfold. So kind of remaining up to date in literature, not only within critical care and kind of becoming my own pharmacist within the critical care realm, but also learning about COVID-19 and the... Differences like you could learn about ARDS or acute respiratory distress syndrome, but then taking that to the COVID side of things was just things amplified, right? And we were all learning together, which I think provided the really unique but challenging opportunity for a lot of us as residents and as practitioners as we kind of went through the pandemic. And I would say, like, the last thing that I personally struggled with with regards to you know patient care and the day in, day out kind of um, workflow was you know, the title of this podcast is definitely burnout. So the fear of not only, um, you know, burning myself out as a practitioner, as we see this very, you know, critically ill patient population, but also caring for myself and the loved ones in my family, it was hard. I couldn't go home and I couldn't go see family members, you know, our, our leave and vacation time was restricted given, you know, obviously infection control purposes, which was valid, but it made it hard, you know, from, from just a wellness perspective to not be able to go see people that you love and, um, you know, ensuring their safety along lines. So I'll kind of pass the baton over to Cassie to see if she can share some of her challenges as well. So, I echo a lot of concerns
3: um, that, that Brooke has, but maybe in a little bit different aspect. I, I very much, you know, worried about from a patient care perspective, and, and Brooke is absolutely right, um, the amount of literature, um, what we thought was was helpful one week is, is potentially less helpful the next week, um, and we were really relying on um, a lot of not necessarily social media, but some social media and rumors and what other centers are, are doing who are seeing the wave much faster than us. And so patient care um, in an era of a lot of data had had sort of, I hate to say, but taken a step back where these things are becoming more word of mouth. I tried this, this worked, try this, this worked. And I think that's a, a lot of gray that our younger practitioners were not necessarily used to. And so being someone a little more senior, even though not in a critical care realm during the pandemic, um, I worried about putting the staff in these situations where I was really, you know, at some level asking them to interpret a lot of gray. And and I think whenever you are put in those situations where you feel like you're, you're not sure of the answer, and you and you may not have the answer, I think that contributes to to mental burnout um, in feeling exhausted or questioning, am I doing the right thing for this patient? And so that's something we worried about um, a lot. I also agree 100% with Brooke about the disease state knowledge and things that you could teach were very much, there was a lot of learning, even as a a senior pharmacist in in learning that these patients are quite different, um, but then taking a lot of effort to pass that on to our, you know, the younger colleagues and again what we're seeing. And I, I I think the the other struggle was communicating in real time with the staff when things were changing hour to hour, day to day. As new units were opening, um, new patients were coming in. We were talking about differences in you know in PPE and aerosol uh, generating procedures and and how we're handling. How do we disseminate that information to a large staff who we may not be able to get to and staff that is changing every day based on either them getting COVID or COVID exposure and having to be quarantined very early on in the pandemic. And so how do we support and communicate um, to our staff when we don't know as leaders all of the details that are happening and they're happening so fast, it's difficult to, to communicate to a large group of pharmacists.
1: Yeah, I really appreciate you both for being so candid about your experiences that you wanted to highlight so far. And part of what we wanted to do with this conversation is to really talk more about the reality that some of us have as new practitioners really only seen or for the most part seen practice in the context of the pandemic. So Brooke, could you just elaborate more about your reflections on having so much of your postgraduate training happening during a pandemic?
0: Yeah, absolutely. So I guess I can say, you know, given that the start of my PGY1 residency was the non-pandemic time, it was a pretty good comparison and contrast Um, as to what happened once the pandemic really hit hard, especially while I was in Kentucky. Um, You know, so obviously pre-pandemic, everyone was interacting with each other. Like I said, whether you were interacting with patients and also people within your residency, pharmacists within your institution, your other healthcare workers. So I think while a big challenge was, you know, we had to transition to total social distancing and that included within our own healthcare teams, right? And as Cassie said, those communication barriers amplified with patient care, right? Because you couldn't necessarily be at the bedside, be with your healthcare team. If you were especially doing a remote rotation, how are you going to communicate effectively your patient care interventions? And, you know, kind of, again, gaining that, that ability to speak amongst a a team with um, as a, you know, resident and growing on that as a practitioner, it was challenging, but, you know, I think while they're, were several challenges it also did enlighten several different opportunities um and I think that's one thing that I really learned a lot about myself, both personally and professionally, how much I've grown through the pandemic. So I will say that first on my management rotation, you know, I was thinking about this, you know, just very standard, right? The processes of the pharmacy practice. But when I was doing my pharmacy uh, management rotation, and this was during the pandemic times, I mean, it was enlightening to see and learn from pharmacy leadership how much they, I mean, I'm sure Cassie can even speak to this, how much they had to work through these unprecedented times with drug shortages. How are we going to allocate our resources here? How exactly the communication piece, overcoming those communication barriers were huge, right? Not everyone, you get an email flooded every day, right? So how do we best and most effectively communicate that information? And so I feel like our huge kind of learning experience for me was, uh, for example, my PGY1 rotation, I was put on a onto a virtual rotation in my pediatric unit, but I wanted nothing more than to feel like I could put an impact in this month, right? I didn't want to just feel like I was sitting at home doing this virtual stuff. And that I wasn't really like, there with everybody dealing with the COVID-19 pandemic. So I did have the great opportunity to collaborate with both our pediatrics and infectious disease uh, pharmacists, as well as some physicians to create the pediatric COVID-19 guideline. And that was such a fun way to engage in a a virtual rotation, but still feeling like I was making an impact in the COVID-19 pandemic and managing it as a healthcare professional. Um, And that was an opportunity to share my story, actually, through American College of Clinical Pharmacy. So ACCP had COVID-19 pandemic, like share your story. And we were able to, you know, kind of share that experience um, on there, which was just really great. And I kind of learned, not only was it so great, like as Cassie said, the COVID-19 literature, but then also taking that to pediatrics was like, again, amplified. But for me, it was such an awesome experience to know that I could still make an impact while not being there. Um, So I'd like to, if anybody still has virtual rotations, there's so much opportunity that can still be gained through those um, different experiences.
2: Thank you, Brooke, for reflecting your time as a resident. That sounds like you were really able to make the most of your time as a resident during the pandemic. Um, It is really evident that you grew professionally during this time and learned a unique skill set that you'll be able to use in the future. Um, Now, moving on, as you guys brought up many challenges associated with the pandemic, we would love to transition more and hear both of you offer your experiences with ways to better understand, overcome and prevent burnout related to the pandemic. In addition, Cassie, if you could maybe highlight how these tools might be similar or different to those that you utilized in the ICU pre-pandemic. So I think that's a great question, um,
3: and I think it's a lot of the things that we've already talked about. So I think communicating um, when people don't know what's happening um, and they feel like they're left in the dark, I think that creates a sense of anxiety um, and that makes you apprehensive. And it's not only uh, it's not only uh, related to you know not knowing about the disease state. Like ultimately, at the end of the day, our goal is to provide the best care for the patient. And when we are very much in the dark about a new disease state, that makes us apprehensive. But I think. It's bigger than that. It's a question of, you know, how do we know how this hospital is going to function? Are we going to able to handle this capacity strain? Like Brooke said, how do I provide the drugs for these people? Am I going to be put in a situation where I'm uncomfortable because there's a lack of other qualified pharmacists? And so I think communicating with the staff on a daily basis is not a daily basis. I should step back. We were actually doing huddles um, three, four times a day with our staff across all shifts, um, and dividing those as an administrative team to say, "Here's the situation today. This is what's happening. This is our approach. This is the schedule. These are our numbers." And uh, it sounds silly, but you know, the other thing that we were doing is during those huddles was a lot of like. You know, silly wellness check-ins, and unfortunately, you know, I I would come in. <laughs> I'm not very funny, but I would try to tell a joke, lighten the mood, and then I think the other thing is is really it, same tools that I think that are used on a on a daily basis, but just so much more magnified. People need a lot of support during these times. They're separated from their families, um, and you know, really communicating to the staff. I understand that it's hard that this is hard. I see you, I hear you, I recognize those things. I am here for you. You reach out to me, call me. Let's talk about it, and and being as open of a leadership as possible. So those two things I think have really provided, and they're tools we've we've used before. Like I said, they're just under magnification. I think the other tools that we've used um, are providing learning support. Like I said, um, we we went through a number of things where we developed specific tools for how to provide for our COVID patients like Brooke alluded to. And I think that that is, is very helpful um, in terms of them not feeling in the dark. And then the last thing we did was we, I think we really empathized with the staff in, in trying to provide a balance for people to take care of their personal lives during this pandemic. Um, As we know, there were lots of childcare centers closed, you know, people's family members became ill, possibly very ill um, during this pandemic and, and saying, we understand that we will work with you on the flexibility of this schedule to make sure that, you know, you can still do your job, but you can provide for your family. And I think that was one of our greatest um, assets and moves during the pandemic.
0: Yeah, that's awesome, Cassie. And it's good to hear that there's like um, very similar leadership. I, I felt the same way, very supported within my institution and knowing that You know, our pharmacy leadership was really there. They listened to us. And I think just knowing that people are there and available to talk if you need it or to take time off, you know, especially during residency, you can feel like you've got a million things on your to-do list. Um, But just having some dedicated time, I think, to self-care. I can't emphasize that enough, um, especially when it comes to going through residency, even starting as a new practitioner, right? Like you're jumping into a new area, maybe a new job, new hospital. There's so much that kind of comes into your mind. When I can say from personal experience, transitioning from residency to just becoming a practitioner, I still was in that go, go, go mode, right? But taking the time to really step back and say, okay, what can I do that, you know, whether it's just a five minutes a day, take a walk, talk to your parents, whomever it may be, um, just taking five minutes for self-care can make such a huge impact. I also will say residency and early career development uh, is so important, I think, to the new practitioner, to the residents. You're really focused on, okay, what am I doing to really build my career for the future? For when I'm in Cassie's spot, you know, years down the line, how do I make myself so successful? And I think one thing that was really limited by the pandemic was the fact that conferences became virtual, grand rounds were virtual. You weren't meeting people. You weren't shaking hands. You weren't having that face-to-face interaction because unfortunately, a lot of the time, Zoom cameras were off or if you're at a conference, it's a Recorded webinar, for example. So I think um, that communication piece and the inability to really collaborate interprofessionally or even within our own profession was very challenging to me. But a really, um, a, a way to overcome that, I think for myself and maybe a lot of residents may um, agree or early practitioners is that utilizing social media platforms like Twitter for myself was a really great opportunity to feel like I was connected with the larger healthcare community because in COVID, we were just within our own institution. But when I would jump onto Twitter, kind of just read some of the things, interact, engage with people, learn more about how the other institutions are overcoming some of these significant challenges. For myself, it was, it was very enlightening, great way to kind of interact with people professionally. Um, So, you know, I would encourage you utilizing professional social media platforms for professional purposes was a great way to stay connected. And I was able to meet a lot of people within pharmacy, even within my own profession of neurocritical care, and then collaborate with them on different, you know, manuscripts and things along those lines. So that was a really fun way um, to stay engaged as well. But I would definitely say self-care time and also remember your why, right? What is it that burnout can feel like, oh man, I just... You don't want to wake up and, and, and do what you want to do, but just remind yourself why. And for me, I was like, I want to be a critical care pharmacist. This is a really hard time, but it's a great time to learn about critically ill patients. So this is my time to really just jump in there and really learn everything I can. So, you know, while it was super, while it was incredibly challenging mentally, physically, emotionally, all those things coming out of it and really realizing how much I grew personally and professionally just kind of keeps that drive going. So anybody that's kind of struggling with that feeling of burnout, hopefully you can just remember remember your why, you know, for doing what you do every day. And we're very thankful that everyone keeps, you know, doing all they do. So I'll leave it there.
1: Yeah. Thank you both. And one of the main themes that at least I'm hearing is the importance of maintaining some kind of connections, especially when contextualized within the pandemic. So one additional item that we wanted to focus on would be both of your thoughts on mentorship specifically during the pandemic. So um, what are some important qualities of ongoing and then new mentorship relationships that are particularly important because of the global health situation?
3: So I'll, I'll take it a little bit from, from someone who may, may not act as a mentor, but definitely an advisor to younger practitioners. I think it is important to recognize that You know, these practitioners that are coming out, especially, you know, if they're going into critical care, really haven't seen sort of like the bread and butter of critical care. They have seen COVID critical care. And there are times during their residency where their MICU rotation was literally a COVID unit. And you think about things, you know, other disease states that they're missing and, you know, recognizing that. The learning curve might be a little bit steeper here, and so how do you support for those sorts of things and give them the resources, give them the time, walk through those those support mechanisms? And so a lot of the things that we've identified are, um, you know, taking a lot of time to go through our protocols, going through, um, you know, the the learning availabilities that we we have available to our new practitioners. The other thing we've done is, you know, sort of. Uh, do frequent check-ins. And so when we're onboarding and training and providing you know, some degree of mentorship for these people, it's making sure they have the tools that they need to succeed. Um, do they have people that they can reach out to? Who are those support people? Who are their experts that they can go to? How do they navigate the situation? And so it's a, it's a lot of more frequent support than I think we might have given in the past, um, just recognizing that this is a different era. Um, I think the other thing that, that maybe I didn't, you know, recognize is I have a lot more personal relationships um, at this point. I think when I started early on, you know, it was, you know, I see these people in a professional capacity. Um, and to Brooke's point, and I very much think patient care relies on personal interaction and personal interaction with your team And so how do you develop that personal interaction? I think it's taking the personal time. It sounds silly. You know, ultimately, it's the patient in the bed. But when you have a personal connection to your care team, You can provide better mentorship. So, you know, I'm too I'm too old to use Twitter, Um, but using things like texts or calling people, I still do those sorts of things. You know, just checking in, how are you? Letting people have obviously my personal my um, number and saying, hey, I'm here for you. What do you need? How can I support you? And reaching out and having frequent touch bases. I, I people just want to know that they're supported and that somebody is here to help them navigate.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I would totally second everything Cassie said, especially the importance of that personal interaction, especially if they are, you know, within leadership, it's always good to know that they, they care for you both professionally as well as personally. Um, I would say for myself, a large majority of the mentorship really came towards navigating the challenges around starting a new job during the pandemic. I mean, it was it was definitely an unprecedented time, right? So you're applying for a job, they have restrictions with regards to COVID nineteen travel, and maybe they did all the the uh, interviews and still are doing them virtually. Um, and so it was well, residency seems relatively temporary, right? You may go for a year or two, you know, your job is relatively permanent, right? So understanding what sorts of questions do I ask if I'm not actually attending an on-site interview when looking for a new job. So I think um, something that I actually in kind of collaborating with my mentors within my institution at University of Kentucky was incredibly valuable. They had connections and were able to connect me with people within that institution. But even for myself, I think creating those new mentor uh, mentee relationships at the institution, right? Reaching out to the person who's in the current position that may be departing and saying what sorts of protocols People, did you know what sorts of things happen at your institution? What are the sorts of things that I need to know? I think that also allowed a really valuable opportunity to create new mentorship. Um, So I would say, you know, that for me was a lot of where the mentorship came from. And I think kind of continuing those collaborative relationships is very important. Of course, staying in touch with people in residency. And then I also think that utilizing social media has allowed for uh, different opportunities for mentorship. And you also using professional resources. So I think through SCCM provided since I couldn't actually you know go to a conference at SCCM and meet some of the other critical care practitioners, a lot of those organizations provide mentor mentee opportunities. Right? They set you up with a mentor that's best paired for you, and that allowed for a really great opportunity again to build your professional networking skills as well as learning a lot about different institutions and, and critical care practices. So those were probably my biggest tips with regards to the mentor-mentee relationship.
2: Those are all great points. Thank you both. I think your experience highlights that both new practitioners and more experienced pharmacists can really benefit from a mentor-mentee relationship, and that is really important to be there for our fellow pharmacists more than ever. That is all the time we have today. Thank you both Brooke and Cassie for sharing your experiences. It's great to learn from each other's experiences and know we aren't going through this time alone. In addition, it's important for all of us to remember that ASHP also has many resources and we encourage you to use them as well, including the Mind Headspace app, which is an exclusive meditation and mindfulness app for ASHP members. With Headspace, you can learn the life-changing skills of meditation and mindfulness in just a few minutes a day. Studies show that meditation helps reduce stress and burnout in health professionals while boosting happiness, compassion, resilience, and overall life satisfaction. Search for Headspace on ashp.org for more information on how to redeem this member benefit. In addition, um, if you enjoyed this podcast, we encourage you to listen to more Wellness Wednesday podcasts by ASHP by subscribing to ASHP Official on Spotify for future recordings. Thanks again, guys.
0: Thank you for listening to ASHP Official, the voice of pharmacists advancing healthcare.